And lastly, we're continuing our series, Word to the Wise. And we have a very special guest today, Brad Tate uh, from 242 Community Church in Michigan. And Brad is one of my absolute favorite communicators, and I couldn't be more excited for him to share with us. So church, can we give Brad Tate a warm Northside welcome? All right, Northside, how you doing on a Sunday morning? You guys good? I am excited to be here. Like Caleb said, my name is Brad. Uh, I'm a teaching pastor at my church up in Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Uh, But I'm excited to be here with you and share this weekend for a couple of reasons. I'll be honest with you. Uh, There's a couple of reasons why today is like this weekend has just been fun for me. Uh, One, this, I do love you all. I do love preaching. and I love being able to be here to share God's word. But a big part of why I'm excited for this weekend is I'm from Southern Indiana. So my family still lives here. My brother lives in Corden. I actually graduated from Corden Central High School back in 1999. Yeah, like a different century (laughs) that we're living in right now. Um, But this is my old stomping grounds. And so being back this weekend and being able to bring my family, my wife and my daughters and catching up with old friends and rehashing old stories, it's just been a blast, you know? Uh, remembering all the shenanigans we got into as kids. And, like, and it's, it's so fun like when you're back into like your old stomping grounds, how, seeing like what things stayed the same and what things have changed. And you get that nostalgic feeling when you see like those familiar things, right? Like, like, like does the Floyd County Jail, does it still have that picture of a cat in the booking area that's really weird? No, okay, no, that's a joke, that's a joke. It was Harrison County Jail. Um, <laughs> you're like, Nate invited a felon. Okay, well, anyway. Um, but no, I, I am from this area. I, I, I have been happy to catch up with our friends. Um, but yeah, no, Nate invited me to come in uh, to share God's word with you today. And he told me about the series we were in, The Word to the Wise. And I, it was like divine appointment that he said, what we're going to be talking about, what I would love for you to talk about is friends. Like, what does it look like to have true friendship, to be true friends? And I was like, Man, this area and my heart and my friends and like that is, it's like this perfect pairing of what God is doing in me every time I come here. Uh, so I'm excited to be here with you and to open up God's word with you. Uh, if, do this for me. If you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, could you open up to the book of Proverbs? Uh, Proverbs is right, if you have a physical Bible, it's usually right in the smack dab middle of your Bible. Uh, if you have an app, you could just Google it. And uh, but we're going to be in the book of Proverbs today. We're going to be ping-ponging back and forth all across Proverbs because we're going to be talking about friendship. And, uh, and for me, the anchor verse that I want to focus in on, or the verse, verse that I want, if you have nothing else, if you take nothing else away, here's a verse that I want you to tuck in your back pocket. Maybe hold this verse in your heart. And hopefully after you hear this message today, this verse will ring true in a deeper way every time you read it. But it's in Proverbs chapter 13. And as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 13 in your Bible, um, let me just just explain how the book of Proverbs came together, right? Uh, Book of Proverbs written by King Solomon. uh, And here's what's interesting about it. It was actually written to his son. King Solomon, one of the wisest people who ever lived. In fact, he asked God more so than wealth, more so than anything else. He says, could you give me more wisdom? And God gave Solomon all the wisdom. 
And so Solomon, the third king of Israel, he reigned and ruled Israel with the wisdom of God and he built the temple and he did all these great things. But as his life was coming to an end, he realized that he's gonna have to pass on his legacy to his son. And he says, my son probably is not gonna read all the the scrolls. My son's probably not gonna read all the the Old Testament uh, literature up to this point. So what I wanna do is I wanna give my son all this wisdom. And so literally Solomon breaks the wisdom of almost the entire Old Testament up to that point into these short 280 character, basically kind of tweets of knowledge that he says, if you could just read these, read these little sayings, read these little, these little quips, it will give you the wisdom you need in a myriad of areas. It'll help you in your finances. It will help you in your relationships. It will help you in your, in your relationship with God. It will help you in your, your personal integrity and your self-control. They're all the wisdom that you need in this life is in these 31 chapters if you will read them and actually do what they say. And so he's writing this. And, and, and so in Proverbs 13, Solomon writes this to his son. And this is the wisdom that you and I could still use in our lives today. And this is what he says. Proverbs 13, pick it up in verse 20, says this. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, first look at that last part. Notice the second part of that verse. When you surround yourself with foolish people, you don't become foolish like them. No, you get harmed. And that's why this matters. That's why this is important. Because God doesn't want his children to be harmed, nor does he want his children harming one another. And so, when you come to this verse, he's saying, like, no, no, you need to surround yourself with people who are on the the same track that you are, who are on the same you know, vision that you are, who are on the same mission that you are, those need to be your closest friends. And, and, and let me say that, that's what I'm talking about today when I say friends. I'm not talking about acquaintances, I'm not talking about like maybe just who you go get around to golf with or, or, or who you go to the movies with or anything like that. I'm talking about the people that you bring into your life, that that you allow them to speak into your life, that you allow them to, to walk through life with you, that you share parenting advice and, and you share financial advice and, and you actually talk about life and what is the best thing to do, those types of friends. And what he says is, if you walk with wise people, then you're gonna become wise like them. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you remember in uh, biology class, right? High school biology, we learned about cells and we learned about membranes. And you remember you learned about permeable membranes? How like two cells could just be close to one another and, and, and there's like this structure on the outside of it that keeps all the gooey, celly stuff inside. I don't know how cells work. Anyway, but if you get another cell close enough, the membranes are permeable. So actually information can flow from one cell to the other just by them being in proximity to one another. God's like, that's kind of how it works. When you walk with the wise, like you help each other be wise. But if you walk with fools, you suffer harm. And so that's why, you know, he echoes this again and again throughout the book of Proverbs. Uh, One of the verses that many people go to on this topic is is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, right? That talks about that that we, uh, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. And that's why here at Northside, they have like those, we have Ironman groups, not that we're training to go run a marathon and swim and bike, but we're trying to sharpen one another. 
In fact, I would say that is the heart behind every single small group here at Northside is that we're trying to put people in proximity with people who are on the same mission, who are on the same journey so that they can help one another be sharper, be more effective, and be on the path that they want to be on in life. Because sometimes, let's just be honest, your friends could lead you astray. Can we, just, can we just own that? We have all been influenced by friends in a bad way at some point in our life. Like, and I don't wanna like, I don't wanna like, you know, assume for you, because uh, you guys look, you look nice. You guys look really nice. So I know this is not true of you, but could you imagine, could you imagine a scenario when you were a child Maybe younger than 21, but maybe in high school, something like that. And could you imagine a scenario where you wanted to try alcohol? It would never happen to any of you, I get it. But could you imagine being under 21 and wanting to try alcohol, or under 21 and wanting to see what a cigarette tasted like, or try tobacco and then you throw up? Like, have you ever, like, could you imagine a scenario where you wanted to sneak and try something that you knew was bad for you? Let me ask you this. When you did that, did you do that with your mortal enemy? When you were tempted to try a cigarette for the first time, when you were tempted to try alcohol for the first time, when you were tempted to, to was that your mortal enemy that tempted you to do that? Or were you with a friend? Were you with a friend and you guys had a plan and you snuck out and you just tried some stuff? And that's what I'm talking about. And some of you today sitting in this room, I would bet, some of those trials turn into full-blown addictions. And I bet in a room this size, there's some people here who struggle with being addicted to nicotine and they would prefer to not smoke, but at this point, it is so ingrained in them. And I know going through this pandemic we've been through, the numbers are off the charts with alcoholism and, and, and how it's getting out of control right now. And it's interesting how most of the time those things are introduced into our lives by friends. But then it consumes us. It could take us off of the course that we even want for ourselves. And now we're suffering harm. And so that's why this stuff matters. That's why it's, this is important because, because it's not just about um, hanging around good people. There are, there are no really good people, right? We're all sinners in need of a savior. So this is not about like good people versus bad people. This is about effective people in the kingdom of God or people who are still being dominated by the sins of this world. And here's the thing. The very fact that you're here today in this room with me and are watching online, the very fact that you are here, it says that your intention is to at least be warm to the gospel, at least be warm to looking like Jesus, living like Jesus, and truly being a follower of his. And, and, and many of you in this room right now and online, you've already confessed. You confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You've gone through the waters of baptism. You have said he is my Lord and my savior. And if that is you, then it's not just a desire, that should be your heart's, that should be your mission, to be like Christ. And so when we come to this scripture and we're talking about you know, surrounding ourselves with good company, we're surrounding ourselves with good friends who actually help us, this should matter to you. Not just so you don't get harmed, but so that we as a church cannot be hypocritical, but rather we could be effective in our communities for the glory of God. 
So what we're going to do with our time today is we're going to go through uh, the book of Proverbs. We're going to basically stay in the book of Proverbs, but we're going to kind of bounce around because I'm going to show you several Proverbs that talk about what true friends look like and also maybe some people that we need to be aware of that if they're in our lives, these kind of people could bring us harm if we let them too close to what's going on. And so what I see here is um, in Proverbs chapter six, I see a very clear explanation of this. I think a lot of times um, when people come to the Bible, there's like, they think it's all like mysterious. Like, I I wish I could just, I wish I could know what God's will is for my life. If only I could know what God's will is for my life. But the truth is when you actually open your Bible and you read it, God has left very few mysteries for us. He's explained everything pretty well. What's God's will for your life? It's that you would, Romans 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is God's will for you, his perfect, pleasing will. We don't even have to guess. It's spelled out. What we have to do is consider what does it look like to apply that? How do I do that? And so when it comes to friendship, in Proverbs chapter 6, if you want to know the type of people who are bad friends, the type of people that we should, we should maybe, maybe like love, but maybe not let them lead our lives, it's clear. And so what I want to do with my time is I'll read this whole list here first, and then we're just going to go through and we'll break it up. And I just want to talk about this so we have eyes to see this in the year 2021 in southern Indiana, so in a way that it makes sense this week. This is what it says. Proverbs chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 16. It says this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. That should make our ears perk up. Because we talk about all the time that God is love and God loves us and God loves everyone, which is is very, very true. But, But there are some things that just wear God out. There's some things that just frustrate God. There's some things that he hates. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be doing what is hated by God. And again, it's not a mystery. He spells it out. Look what he says. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, false witnesses who pour out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. That's a pretty objective list. There's not a lot of subjectivity to that. And so let's pause and let's go back to the top and, and let's go through these and, and, and let's just consider our circle of friends. Let's consider our circle, our, our closest circle of people that we allow to speak into our life and lead our life. And, and let's maybe do a little of assessment. Are, are we walking with the wise or are we walking with people who are maybe making these types of foolish decisions? Haughty eyes, right? The first one you see there is haughty eyes. The word haughty, we don't use that a lot in the year 2021, or if we do use it, we use it in a completely different context. Like, hey, haughty, how you doing, right? Like, <laughs> different word, okay? Completely different word. Um, the word haughty uh, denotes an arrogance. Uh, Proverbs, you, you'll see this later on in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, it says this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride before destruction, a hearty spirit before a fall. This is a a verse that many people quote. Typically, I hear this verse quoted on the basketball court, 
right? When someone just goes down the court, they like drain a three, they're like, swish, raindrops. And then they go to run away and they trip over their own uh, shoelace and they fall. And you're like, yep, pride goes before a fall, sucker. You know, like that's like, that's usually how we use it, right? But the word haughty, it's not just pride. I mean, it's also this arrogance. It's this arrogance that you are right, that you are the only one. And, and then it says, beware of people with haughty eyes. People who look at other people and based on their appearance, based on just the perception of them, they, can know, they automatically prejudge the worth of that individual. They have haughty eyes towards them. Can I say this? In the year 2021, it breaks my heart the amount of haughty eyes I see in this world. We all just came through probably what was definitely the most divisive political season I have ever experienced on this earth. I have never seen such vitriol between Republicans and Democrats in my entire 40 years on this planet. And now we have these two factions of people both looking at each other with haughty eyes. Oh, you're a member of that party and then, okay, then you automatically think this, this, and this, and you're evil. Oh, you're a member of that party? Oh, you're automatically this, that, and this, and you are evil. And I'm seeing this divide in humanity over an ideal that's not even Christian either way. Jesus did not come to start any global government. And believe me, I love our government. I love the United States of America. I'm not bagging on America, but, but the hope of the world is not capitalism. The hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth. Here's the absolute truth. Whatever political party you're in or whatever political system you're in, if you profess Jesus as Lord and you live for his glory to the best of your ability, no one gets it right 100%. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But just that profession and that effort, that justification and that sanctification, that is enough because God's grace is sufficient and that is the kingdom of God. So what is absolutely true is there are going to be Republicans in heaven and there are going to be Democrats in heaven. And what's going to be absolutely true is there's going to be people from the, the communist system in China in heaven. There's people from the caste system of India who are going to be in heaven. There's people from tribal communities who are going to be in heaven. They're all human beings who call on the name of God are going to be in heaven with us for eternity. So if, we don't, if we're not going to have problems with them in heaven, why are we fighting so much with them now? These are our brothers and sisters, and we shouldn't look at them with haughty eyes because they have a different political ideal. And that sounds scary to some because well, what if they do evil things? Okay, but that's for God to take care of. We are called to surround ourselves with good friends who help us walk through. And that, if you have a friend who's looking at other people with haughty eyes, I'm telling you, that's a dangerous thing. And it's not just a political thing. I mean, I see this off the, off the rails in 2021. Haughty eyes about race, haughty eyes about gender, haughty eyes about sexuality. I mean, that's the thing, right? With all this identity kind of politic things that are happening, society is breaking itself apart into, into factions, which is exactly what Galatians 5 says was an act of the flesh and a sin. We're breaking ourselves into factions and we're looking at the other factions and we're saying they're evil just because they're a part of that. And we have these haughty eyes. I'll give you one more haughty eyes thing that I see, and it, 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 it's blowing me away. Generational haughty eyes. 
my friends, my peers, 40-year-old men and women that, that you know, I graduated high school with, I know, we're talking, we're to you, these things. And, they, and this is what I heard one of my friends say. I was like, what? My friend was like, we're hanging out. And they go, Brad, can you believe kids these days? Are you serious right now? Can you believe kids these days? Oh, the, the, the Gen Zs and, oh, Brad, their hair is blue. You had a tongue ring. Like, did you forget when you were a child? Do you forget the, the countercultural things that you did? Did you forget the angst that you had at the society that was around you and you wanted to break out and create something different? And whether it was good or bad, you just had that ambition to do something different. And then, and then as you grew, you realized and you matured and then you realized what was effective. How about we give the next generation some grace? Maybe they're a little bit immature because they are children. And they're growing in this world. And what they don't need is people judging them for being young. They need people encouraging them and emboldening them and helping them mature in a way that's going to be effective in this world. We need to get past these haughty eyes. And we need to see the value in the people around us. And I would encourage you, when you think about your closest friends, do you have friends who help you see others like that? See the worth in every human being. Because every human being is a child of God. And every human being has the potential to be saved by grace. And that should be our desire. Not destruction for any human being, but salvation for all. That's what God talks about when he says he is patient for, uh, for people to come to the point of salvation. Why could we not be patient with our Father? So let's not surround ourselves with people with haughty eyes. Let's have grace for humanity and patience for growth and the Holy Spirit to work. The next one you see on the list there is a lying tongue. Don't surround yourself with people with a lying tongue. Now, many people here, you probably have been coming to church for a while. Uh, maybe some of you were raised in church. Maybe you remember like children's church. And that's one of like the first lessons you teach in children's church, right? Don't lie. We don't lie. And then you start to become a, a teenager and we don't lie unless you're gonna get in trouble and then lie a little bit. And then we become adults and we say, well, just don't lie about big stuff, okay? Just like, don't, just, just don't lie about big stuff. You can lie about little things all day long. Like, you look great, baby. Like, you can just lie about little stuff all day long. Just don't lie about the big stuff. That's what we say, right? Church, let me... Let me open your eyes to this truth. Lying is significant. Big lies, little lies, all lies, it's significant. And it matters, it matters to God. Look what it says here in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, it says this, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy detests, God detests it. That Hebrew word detest, that's the same word they're gonna use for abomination, that's the same word that's gonna have a kind of a connotation of disgust. God is disgusted by lying. Now I, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, so I love words and I love sociology and psychology, and so I, I study all these things. And you know what's interesting about the word disgust? To be disgusted by something, that's a word that permeates 
many cultures. I mean, it's one of those words that permeates multiple cultures. But in almost every single culture, the word disgust, the, the way it is connotated or the way it is understood by that culture, if you had to explain it or define it, for most cultures, they would all agree that the word disgust is con- connotated by fecal matter close to one's mouth. That, that's disgusting, right? That's what disgust... That is disgust. Fecal matter by one's mouth, that is disgust. It says when you lie, it is disgusting to God. Now here's the thing. You wanna start talking about big lies and little lies? Really? Really? Because I'm just gonna tell you this. If you put a stick with some doo-doo by my mouth, I do not care if that's a lot of doo-doo or a little doo-doo, we gonna fight, okay? Like, that's not okay. That's disgusting. And I believe that's the way God looks at lying. It is absolutely disgusting to him. But here's why. It's not because if you lie, you're evil. It's because when you lie, you're speaking the language of evil. John chapter eight, verse 44 is very clear that we have an enemy in this world and that our enemy is named, Satan is real. And Satan really wants to derail us. Satan really wants to make us ineffective for the kingdom of God. Satan really wants to destroy us. And John 8, 44, if you're taking notes, you can write that down and read it later. But what it says is that lying is the language of Satan. He is the father of lies. So how can we sit in a church service on a Sunday morning and sing you know, what a powerful name it is and that you're my heavenly father. And then we leave this room and we stop speaking the language of our father, which is love. And we start speaking the language of the enemy, which is lies. It's dangerous and it's disgusting to our father and it, it's heartbreaking. And here's why, here's why. Because it's harming the danger of lying, in my opinion, this is my opinion, but the danger of lying, the, 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 the danger of it is not just that you mislead other people or you misrepresent other people. The danger is that you get good at it. The danger is you become proficient at it. And the real destructive part of lying isn't that you get so good at it that you can lie to a lot of people and they'll believe you. No, 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 no. The danger of lying is when you get so good at it, you can lie to yourself. You could justify what you want to do. You could justify why it's right. Do you understand? The power that a human being has to justify their actions is almost insurmountable. I would go so far as to say there are no human beings who believe themselves to be evil because they justify what they do. Think about that. Like, like Adolf Hitler, he did not think he was an evil person. Like Adolf Hitler was like, man, I'm crushing this. Like he thought he was doing a good thing. He thought he was doing a righteous thing. We would all sit here today and go, what? He's evil incarnate. Like we would say that's probably the most evil person on the face of this earth, except for the head coach of Ohio State. But other than that, we would say, (laughs) but we would say he's the most evil person on the face of the earth. But how could he say he's a good magnanimous person? It's because he justifies himself. He's lying to himself. And it's not what we do. We justify our bad decisions, we justify our greed, we justify our ego and our pride, we justify hurting people around us. 
we justify our evil actions. And those are lies that we tell ourselves. And so when it comes to this friends, it says don't surround yourself with lying people. Surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth. And here's the thing, the truth isn't always nice to hear. Sometimes you need to hear some truth that's not pleasant, but it's necessary. Sometimes you need a friend to tell you, hey, you know, got a, a little, little booger right there. <laughs> like, you don't want to hear that. That's embarrassing in the moment, but thank you for telling me that before I walk out here on stage. I'm proud. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> now, that's a silly example. Let me ask you this. Who do you let, allow to tell truth to you in your life? Who do you allow to correct you? Look what it says here in Proverbs chapter 27, verse five, we'll pick it up. It says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend, those can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know what a good friend does? They tell you the truth. They tell you the truth that you need to hear, not the truth that you want to hear. They tell you the truth, hey, you're slipping, man. They tell you the truth, hey, you're not honoring your spouse. You're spending so much time away. I see you looking at the people when they're walking by. I see you're wondering, I, hey, you need, to, you need to date your spouse a little more. You need to sneak anchor in at home. You need to be more focused. A real friend will tell you some truth. A real friend will say, hey, you're drinking. It's getting a little out of control, man. I, th- I, think, I, think, I think it's, it's ramping up too far. I think you might want to slow it down. The real friend will tell you, hey, your finances, hey, I don't think you need to finance that boat. I think you need to be thinking about your kid's college. A real friend will, will tell you some things that you don't want to hear, but they are the right things to hear. Do you have people who speak truth in your life? Do you have people who help you? Are we surrounding ourselves with people who just are multiplying kisses and we're telling each other what we want to hear and we're leading each other towards harm, rather towards a wise life. This stuff matters, absolutely. Not just because it glorifies God, but it actually gives us the life that we want to live. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Look at the next one here. Hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood blood. Now, everyone in this room, you're probably like, okay, good. Okay. At least, at least I don't have a friend who's a murderer. Okay. (laughs) Statistically in this room, this side, I would have concern about that. Um, you might, um, anyway, but, but here I say this, when hands that shed innocent blood, don't forget that when Jesus comes to this earth and when he brings in this new covenant, he's going to heighten the bar on all of this stuff. So when we talk about hands that shed innocent blood, it's not just hands that physically kill people. Jesus says that in, in Matthew chapter five, he says, he says, if you even call someone raka, which means stupid or worthless, you might as well have killed them. So when we hear that, now we might be a little bit more convicted. I, I do have some friends who love just to call people names and love just to be cruel to people. Can I say this? If you have a friend that's cruel to people, but nice to you, your friend is a cruel person. And maybe we need to help them to soften their heart. 
or maybe we need to protect ourselves from adopting a hardened heart like theirs to the point where we would shed innocent blood and be cruel for cruel sake. I'm not gonna have time to go through all of these, but, but this week, maybe this is what you need to do is read through the rest of these, but don't read them alone. Maybe you need to go through these with some friends. Maybe you need to go through them with your spouse or your family. Maybe, maybe if you're in a part of a small group or maybe you've never been a part of a small group, this is a good time to try one. But, but what does it mean then for you that if you go on to look at these next ones, to be around people with heart that devises wicked schemes, hearts that are having schemes and planning these things or, or feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. I do want to say this because you read the false witness that pours out lies and that sounds like a lying tongue, right? It sounds like the same kind of thing. But, but, but no, look, focus on that first part, a false witness. Someone who's a false witness who pours out lies. In 2021, we have a word for that. And that word is a gossip. A person who will act like they're your friend, a person who will act like they're nice to you, a person who will get close to an organization, but then they'll turn right around and start talking about them behind their backs. Church, here's the truth. If you have a friend who will gossip about other people with you, that friend will probably also gossip about you to other people. And gossip matters to God. He doesn't want us to do it. He doesn't want us to live it out. Proverbs chapter 11 says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So these are the type of friends that we should be surrounding ourselves with. These are the type of people that we should be striving for. And then it wraps up, and look at that last part, it says this, and a person who stirs up conflict in a community. We don't want to surround ourselves with people who cause this conflict in the community they live in and the community they're part of. We should be looking for peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, but people who actually bring peace into this world. Those are the people we surround or should surround ourselves with. Those are the types of friends that we should, should find. Now let me give you two action steps. Let me give you two uh, just, just ways to apply this, hopefully this week. Because you might be sitting here right now, you might be kind of convicted. You're like, yeah, I do want some, some friends that, that look like the opposite of those things. I do want some friends who will tell me the truth. I do want some friends who, who, who are on the same mission as me. And, and I want my closest friends to be that. But, but how, Brad? How do I get there? Two things I would give you is this. One, look for those friends in the right place. Look for those friends in the right place. Think about that. You don't go to Starbucks to buy a ladder. You wouldn't go to Home Depot to get a latte. Go to the right place for what you're looking for. If you're looking for a friend to, to help you find sobriety, you're probably not gonna find them at a bar. If you're looking for a friend to help you, be, you know, maintain your, mind, your finances in a godly way, you're not gonna find them down at the casino. If you're looking for a friend who's gonna help you to walk in the way of Jesus, you're probably not gonna find them at a sporting event on a Sunday morning. We need to find friends in the right place. And then when you do, this is what's gonna to have to happen. You are gonna to have to initiate. You're gonna to have to initiate. It breaks my heart as a pastor. I see so many people get so close to like a, a new type of friendship, a new type of relationship, but then they give up so easy. 
Like I said, I'm a pastor of a church up in Michigan. Our church is about the same size as Northside. And about once a month, an email will come into our office. And, and the email, it's, it's pretty consistent. About once a month, we'll get an email and it's something like this. I came to your church this weekend. And we're like, yeah. And then they're like, and I'm never coming back. That got aggressive really fast. And then it says, because nobody in your church talked to me. That's what it says, consistently. I'm never coming back because your church is not nice. No one talked to me. Those emails come to me. And so I inevitably, I always reach out. I'm saying, and, I, and I reach out to them like, oh, I'm so sorry that you, you had a bad experience. And, and, and I, 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 it's shocking to me that no one talked to you. I mean, I know there are eight people in the church that nobody likes, but everybody else is really cool. And, I, I, and so then I ask them this question. I ask them this question. I said, well, who, who did you try to talk to that was mean to you? And this is the answer I get back. No one. But they didn't talk to me. What? Here's the thing. And I can say this to you because this is not my church. <laughs> it is baffling to me that the church is the only organization that people go to where you demand that the organization make you friends. No one goes to Walmart It's like, no one talked to me. I'm never coming here again. Like, that never happens. <laughs> church is the only organization that you expect people to make you friends. No, initiate, reach out, talk to somebody. Go to a small group, go to an event. Churches are filled with nice people, kind people, people who are living this stuff out. But, if you, you, but you have to risk it for the biscuit. You have to. And, and here's the thing. I don't know what changed in life. I don't know what changed. Because when you were little kids, that was no problem, right? When you were a little kid, you would walk up to somebody on a playground and be like, hey, I'm Brad. Can we be friends? Okay. You know, like, and, you, like, and you're best friends. But now for some reason you're an adult and you're like, I'm just going to go back to my basement. And, <laughs> and we need to put in the effort. Go to the right place, initiate, and ultimately, we need to find friends, confidants, brothers and sisters who will help us in this world. Because if not, you're gonna suffer harm. I'll leave you with this last verse. This is what it says in Romans chapter 18, verse 24. It says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. If you have unreliable friends in this room, if you think about the circle of people in your life and they're unreliable, the Bible is clear how this is going to end. But look what it says next. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that second half of that verse is a foreshadowing to the best friend any of us could have. And his name is is Jesus. And if no one else will draw near to you, Jesus says he will. And then as you draw closer to Jesus, then you'll start to find people who are on that same journey with you. And then we can start to live out like what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter one, that you could follow my example as if I follow the example of Christ. And now we are all just on this journey together. And we have this community that is powerful and effective. So church, let me say this. If you're in this room today and you've not given your life to Christ, you've not made Jesus a genuine friend to yourself, maybe that's a step that you need to take today as you leave. 
Maybe you need to talk to somebody in the living room out here. You need to talk to one of the pastors with a lanyard on. Talk about salvation. Talk about giving your life to Christ. And maybe for many of you, that's the first step you need to take today. But for a lot of you in this room who have already professed Christ as Lord, maybe what we need to do today is just take inventory of our closest friends. And here's the thing. Maybe if you see some of these attributes in your friends, maybe the the call is to model a different way. Maybe you need to be the friend that doesn't lie, that doesn't have haughty eyes, that doesn't bring strife to the community. And you will attract people like that. And then through that, the kingdom of God will be ushered in. Church, this stuff matters because it's not just about us being entertained on an hour on Sunday. It's about us being a part of the kingdom of God every day. So at my church, when we conclude our services, we have a benediction that we say, and and as I conclude today, I just wanna give that benediction to you as well. I wanna say thank you for being here today. I wanna say thank you for hearing from the word of God. Thank you for coming to this church service but now is the time for you to go and to go and be the church where you live, where you work, and where you play because that's where the kingdom of God expands. We come here to be edified and to learn and we go there to be a light and to lead and to love. My prayer for you this week is that you could take some of this truth and you could take it to where you live, work, and play and be a light to this world. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father God, I come before you, and Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your inspired and perfect word, God, that as we read it and apply it, that it is transforming. It cuts to our soul, and it convicts us of your will. And Father, I look at these men and women before me, and I my prayer for them, that they would be men and women who are willing, willing to do your will, that they would say daily that your will be done and your kingdom come. So God, as we leave this room today and these people go back to their lives this week, may something that you said change our actions so that we do something that's more like you and it's something that brings light to this world. We thank you for grace. We thank you for love. Now lead us on where we live, work, and play so that we could be a light for your glory. Father, that is our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Northside, thank you so much for being here today. You guys have a great week. God bless.